Welcome to the Serial Serial, the AV Club's podcast about a podcast that, in our new season, also happens to be about some podcasts that made a podcast. Every week for the next two months or so, a few onioning staffers will be talking about an episode of S-Town, the new podcast from the teams that created Serial and This American Life. I'm AV Club Senior Editor Mara Eakin, joined this week by Onion Editorial Director Josh Modell and AV Club Co-Editor Laura M. Browning. And this week, we're going to be tackling the first episode of S-Town. Uh, guys... S-Town is a smash in the podcast world. 10 million downloads of the episodes in the first four days, so a little bit more than 1 million unique listeners per episode, assuming, you know, everyone's downloading all seven apps, which I don't know if everyone is. But uh, so there's 1.48 million S-Town subscribers, and there's 2.4 million serial subscribers and 2 million This American Life subscribers. So what did you think of S-Town? <laughs> Shit-Town. S-Town, shit-Town. Um my basic impressions, well, first of all, I love that we're a podcast about a podcast that made another podcast <laughs> that's brought to you by a podcast inside of a podcast. Yeah. And I like how they say at the beginning, produced by Serial and This American Life. Like, it's getting to be sort of, uh, <laughs> uh, it's like Russian nesting dolls of podcasts yeah, that we're and just it's adding like to. Some people from this, and then Starly Kind from, she does a mystery show now, too, is like a, right? That's her? That does, oh, anyways, know. who knows? Um, also, we joked that this podcast should be called S-Town town s town town that was ignati or s town hall i think would be my my suggestion too yeah uh if we're i i you know i think we should say before we talk about whether uh we liked it is that um you and i Mm -hmm. mara and josh have listened to the entire thing and now we're kind of going back and re-listening to talk about for each of these yeah Uh, laura browning here has listened to how many episodes i just finished episode five Mm -hmm. and i've i'm re-listening to it as we go we think you're okay because all the big spoilers kind of are front-loaded. I'm, I'm not precious about spoilers. It's fine. It's good. Also, I mean, the way it was released, all seven episodes at once, kind of asked you to binge it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The Netflix model for podcasts mm-hmm. now. It makes it a little harder for us to do our podcast in a way because uh, we can't, at the end of each one, say like, what do you think is going to happen to Adnan this week? And then look like dum-dums the next yeah. week when nothing happens. It's kind of fun to look like dum-dums, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's good. Uh, but anyways, so to go back and I guess kind of explain, we're going to be doing one episode of S-Town Town, Serial <laughs> uh, Serial, per episode of S-Town. So we're talking about the first step yes. uh, of, of S-Town. Gosh, guys, let's talk about S-Town. Sorry, it's my southern, that's my Texas southern accent. <laughs> to keep in the spirit of S-Town. So do you, do you want to know our sort of general God, yes, impressions? I totally want to know what you thought. <laughs> Would you recommend it to people? Uh, I I really like it front to back, and I liked it um, right away. Like I, I think, um, and liked it more even as it went on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that someone sitting in this room has a different feeling than the vast majority of. It seems to be a very popular, well liked, mm-hmm. well reviewed podcast so far. Um, and and I feel like I'm just part of the the, the tide of people that like yeah. it. So I'm the interested Greek to hear or whatever yeah. people that are like, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but we have we'll have Laura be our naysayer. Yeah, Laura, tell us why you hate it. it. Yeah, tell us why you hate I, good um, things. Hate is probably too strong <laughs> of a word, but after um, I knew I didn't really know what it was about. I knew it was a big hit, and I am pretty active on Twitter. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, "Holy shit!" Like I just finished the second episode, the end of the second episode, um, and so I knew that I had to at least listen to the first two. That something big happened. Uh, but honestly, after the first episode, I didn't really want to keep listening to it. I wasn't, I didn't find it that compelling. It was mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I keep trying to pinpoint what it is that I don't like about it. Um, I'm really like legitimately confused as to why people find it so compelling. And there are things about it that make me really uncomfortable in terms of uh, sort of the ethics of telling other people's stories. And I know that everybody who's involved with S-Town, like the people of Woodstock, have been largely, I think, happy with mm. yeah. with how it's been portrayed. Like, I don't think that anybody was actually taken advantage of. It's not a missing Richard Simmons right. situation. Mm. But it does, I feel like, kind of walk in that direction a little more than I'm comfortable with. Um, and then I was, I was just frustrated, narratively frustrated, with the first episode, um, you know, I know we're not talking about the second episode yet, but I have to talk about the first two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that I felt like it sort of they spent two whole episodes taking us on a journey and then pulled the rug out from underneath us. And uh, I found I found the narrative structure of the first episode pretty frustrating. See, I liked that because it was coming from the This American Life and Serial team. And I was like, cool, another murder podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is what we all wanted from Serial season two. And we didn't get. <laughs> yeah. True I, crime. I think that's actually what's the most compelling thing about S-Town is we're, we're led to believe that this it's crime happened. Burt. Yeah. And, and, I, and we assume we're going down the sort of Serial 1 for uh, season one uh, path of like, oh, we'll get a little more information. Well, it'll be kind of a whodunit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we quickly realize that it's not a whodunit at all. There's, you know, by the second episode, nothing has happened. And really, we're just getting this kind of seven-hour portrait of a, a really interesting, in my opinion, person with a really uh, strangely compelling story. Well, we'll get to those big twists yep. in episode two, which will be the next episode of Serial Serial. So you have to wait for a week, although we'll probably bring it up again today because that's who we are. Um, but what did you guys think? You just said an interesting person, Josh. I, refer, I assume you're referring to John B. McLemore. That is correct. Um, Andrew, my husband Andrew, had a friend that had to stop listening to S-Town midway through episode one because he was like, I think it's, like, such a horrible, fictitious portrayal of Southern people. Like, he thought it was a bad radio play. Wow. Because the accents were all, quote-unquote, so fake. Wow. And Andrew and I were like, no, those are very real. Like, I can hear Andrew's family's from Texas. I can hear it kind of in them. This is Alabama. What did you guys think of John B. McLemore? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think— there's a lot of sort of re-listening to it after hearing the whole thing. There's a there's a lot of kind of foreshadowing of his whole persona. Like mm-hmm. I, I think you're at first it's like oh here's a guy who's the consummate outcast yeah. among outcasts. Um, I think it's really interesting, sort of from an anthropological perspective, to get inside the life of one person in a town that you would never visit unless yeah. you're. Brian Reed and our, that's his name, right? That's his name, Brian Reed. Um, and are and are very brave, um, in a way. So, is it brave to go to the middle of Alabama of, and in, a, in the midst of? Well, here's how I would say it. I would say <laughs> we're probably assigning bravery to it that doesn't need to be assigned. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like saying, yeah, it must have been really hard for him to go to that tattoo shop. You know, not tell people who he was married to and right. Blah, blah, blah. But everyone's also just people. Like, we're in this, you know, Republican-Democrat world where it's like, oh, people for Kentucky. can't. Be- I can't believe they voted for Trump. I can't understand them. Blah, 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 blah. blah. They're totally different than me. And, you know, people aren't—I think that's one of the things I learned or had reinforced more and more by this show, which is everyone's kind of the same 
people dealing with struggles and they're yeah, smart. And- but it's, it's interesting to see how, and I, I think the show's kind of skirts around this a little bit. And like, what makes him different is that he has a really inquisitive mind. He wants to learn mm-hmm. things. And clearly in this environment that he's in, he's had to really go out of his way. He has no one to talk to. Yeah, but he, like, he has to really, like, there's, theoretically, well, he refers to his high school as Auschwitz, which is a little strong, perhaps. <laughs> uh, so clearly, like, there's there there's not this sort of institutional desire to learn among his peers, but he's, like, out learning everything, as we learn later. Like, he's clearly mm-hmm. read a lot and is smart and is... Uh, at least gives the illusion that he's a deep thinker and knows a lot of things and is building things. Um, like, to me, that's that's a pretty fascinating character. It reminds me a lot, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, I assume probably have, but um, American movie where it's like the the guy who's kind of grown up poor but wants something. Like, you know, in the case of American movie, it's the guy who wants to make a movie and he's convinced that he's going to make a movie. Um and in this case, it's uh, it's a little more depressing than that. It's like, oh, I just, I want to know stuff, but I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to kind of make a life. I don't know if John had an end goal either. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, what did he really want? That's like kind of a bigger question, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know that he had like a, a I'd like Love. to think he had this sort of desire to express himself. And my theory of the overall uh, show is that like he, the reason that he called Brian Reed in the first place is not like come down and solve this murder. It's come down and experience me mm-hmm. because I think in a lot of ways John McElmore um, feels like he's an NPR guy. Yeah, like he feels like oh I want to talk about climate change like they do on NPR, and I think he feels a kinship with these people who are so different from him. Yeah, he must love Science Fridays. On <laughs> <NPR>. <laughs> yeah, he's I think. What distinguishes him from everybody else in Woodstock is this intellectual curiosity, mm-hmm. which is different from just being smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, I, I do I do really like John B. Um, I think he's an interesting guy. I'm just frustrated that it didn't start off with uh, framing it as a portrait of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have done that and still left in some surprises. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know... I haven't really done that much research uh, yet on Woodstock, Alabama, but I suspect like if it's this tiny town where there's people making their living from like farming or other like manual labor, then you just don't have time to like read books and like mm-hmm. question the world. Like doesn't mean you're not smart, yeah. but like if you're running a farm, you don't have time to like mm-hmm. go to college and study chemistry. Yeah, and, and I, I think it also certainly doesn't mean that you're a bad person, though I think Macklemore would uh, disagree with that. I think he felt like he was he was the only one with intellectual curiosity, therefore everyone else was kind of a bad person. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. he was judging yeah, but almost like everyone. Him saying that, I don't know that he believed that. Do you right, know what I yeah, mean? Like, true. he thought people with tattoos were degenerates, mm-hmm. and we learned straight away in episode one, he has a bunch of fucking tattoos. Yep. Like, so. But why does he have them? Well, we'll talk Stay about that. Stay tuned for episode two. I also, one thing that really stuck out to me about John B. is that he talks incredibly fast for a Southerner. Mm. Um, I have never heard a Southerner. His brain's clicking. Yeah, I've never heard a Southerner talk that fast, ever. Um, And, like, when I was a kid, I grew up in Texas, and my mom's side of the family, the Texas side of the family, used to tell me that I talked like my Aunt Karen, which is my dad's side of the family from the Midwest, because I— apparently talked really fast and nobody could understand me because hmm. they all talked real slow. 
We uh, only hear it when you say the word insurance. <laughs> uh, there's a couple other words you make fun of me for. Oh, okay. Um, but I, it's interesting that you were talking about how your friend thought it was a mm-hmm. fake accent because I wonder if it's just that we associate like Southern accents with speaking much more it's like slowly. Delta Burke. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like oh, hey, right. you know, Gomer Pyle or whatever. Yeah, I wonder she, if this is like a, this is like a, not just a Southern accent, but in the, in the country in the South. You know, yeah, they, they did talk to a guy there's a part in episode, in episode two where they're in the tattoo shop and, you know, they talk to the guy that talks so fast, but his accent yeah. is so deep and heavy that you can barely understand him. Come on with it. Welcome back to the Serial Serial. I am Mari Eakin, here with Josh Bodell and Laura M. Browning. Guys, we've been talking about S-Town, the podcast. What did you think of Shittown, the town? What do you think of Woodstock, Alabama, and of Bibb County? I have a lot of thoughts about this. So oh. Do you want to go first, Josh? <laughs> no, no, I have very few thoughts. <laughs> uh, so my mom grew up in this tiny town in north central Texas, and I can't stop thinking about Woodstock in relation to that mm-hmm. town. And like I, I did look up like the census numbers to see how they were in size. Um, Woodstock is in 1999, which was the information that Wikipedia had, mm-hmm. was population 900. And my mom's uh, hometown was population like 1540. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I spent a fair amount of time in my mom's hometown when I was a kid, and it's like a farming community by and large. Uh, there's two stoplights in town, and one of them only works when church is mm-hmm. uh, going on. And As you do. As you do. And I just keep thinking about, like, what would happen if some damn Yankee showed up with all this recording equipment? I mean, it mm-hmm. would be huge. Like— there are people who went to Everyone high schools know. bigger than that hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it would, and it would probably be a massive scandal because there'd be people in the family who didn't like this and people who <laughs> really wanted to like cozy up to them. Um, and so I, in my head, like Woodstock is very much like my mom's hometown in this like mm-hmm. Nowheresville, Texas. I was thinking about it related to where my grandparents live, which was just in, I want to say the New York Times because it's called Majory. But since all the manufacturing has left, people are calling it misery. Mm. And kind of it could be kind of that same sort of thing where it's like, how do you make a living in these towns? Where do you live? Uh, There's a little Caesars, but is there a grocery store? Do you know what I mean? Like, where do you have to go to get stuff and what can you get? If I got to drive 20 miles to Walmart. To whatever the next Tuscaloosa County or whatever. Mm -hmm. To Birmingham. It's also interesting how often Brian Reed refers to just Bibb County as a whole, which includes a lot of different towns, including, like, some majority black towns, mm-hmm. including some, like, much wealthier towns. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the county yeah. seat is, but I, I found it interesting that he uses Bibb County not quite interchangeably with Woodstock, but I didn't seem like he was making a strong enough distinction there. Mm-hmm. I bet that Woodstock is so small that even people that live there might oh, really? lump it in. I don't know. I mean, you know, it could just be such a—if it's 900 people, it could be such a blip on the map, and it's— you know, you got a trailer park and you got even the tattoo shop that everyone hangs out in is in the next town over. Yeah. Right? Maybe it's just a, a very uh, bedroom community, as they say. Just residences. Is mm-hmm. that what that means? Um, write in and tell us. Yes, please use hashtag serial serial on Twitter. Um, it sound. I mean, it doesn't sound like a very nice place to live. John's place sounds very nice. Like Shit John's town. place I would stay at. 
are you sure? Because I, you know, yeah. re-listening to it today, it, like I kind of had that mm-hmm. that like fairy tale impression of it. And then Brian's first interaction with the house, he's like, it looks like this house was built 150 years ago. It has three chimneys. It's made out of wood. And nothing. There's shit the Civil everywhere. War. Um, well, and then fast forwarding, I just Macklemore's finished. peeing in the sink. Oh yeah. Uh, fast forwarding to see to episode five, they brought up some very specific things that. I don't think you'd want to live there. A, a giant uh, flower bed and all these different plants. That all sounded really cool. Have you cool. looked up the maze online? I haven't yeah. looked at it yet. Is it cool? It's very nice. Except it's in, you know, some disrepair. Mm. Now that John uh, R.I.P. Oh, uh, uh, shit. Spoiler. You know, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about... Uh, spoiler, sorry, I'll, I'll turn it a little bit because I thought it was interesting re-listening the things that we learn about in episode one mm-hmm. that are sort of like glancing blows, like... He mentions that he's depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They mention cyanide immediately. Yep. Like yeah. almost immediately. Um, there was something else. Uh, oh, and he says kind of offhandedly, oh, Brian's in town. Well, the whole town thinks I'm queer anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to tell him that, you know, we're fucking or whatever it is he says. It was more explicit than that. More, how can it be more explicit <laughs> than that? It, regardless, like, I, I thought it was, it was interesting editing and that they were, they were sort of setting that up, mm-hmm. all of those things up for later. Mm-hmm. Um, in episode one. It's weird that he just said the whole town thinks I'm queer or whatever when mm-hmm. in later episodes, and maybe this was on the same phone call, we don't really know how right. they were edited or not edited. He basically is like, yeah, I'm I'm queer. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not just they think I am, I actually am. Right. Like, maybe that happened in a later phone call though. Yeah, and I think we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this in later episodes. Like his, his how he deals with his own sexuality is, you know, it, I don't know if that's episode five or six where they're talking to like a lot of the, the guys that he's interacted with. No. Oh, so you'll um, Laura, you're, if you finish, I, I think if it's you keep a, going, I think it's a, it's, no promises. I think it's I think you'll find that episode um at the very least interesting. Here's one question. Let's say you're just dropping into episode 1, you haven't heard the rest, you don't know what happens. What did you think if you can recall back to low 2 weeks ago when mm-hmm. this came out? What did you think was going on with Cabram Burt and Dylan Nichols? Well, I certainly didn't think it was a, the total fake out that it turned yeah, out to be. I, I thought mean, it was got like a fascinating podcast about corruption. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that was, I can see how that could like piss people off. Laura, I'll give you mm-hmm, credit for that. Mm-hmm. But like, I liked it as the way into it. I liked the, how that was set up. And I think like the the podcast might not have been as popular if it had gone right into like, oh, here's this kind of interesting yeah. guy. And I don't think it's a cheat because it, that's how Brian comes to know him. Yeah, that's like yeah. a year and a half in or whatever. They took two episodes to for the big review. They got, they got Casper mattresses to sell. Uh, and that's how you, well, it's Blue Apron, I think, because it's that blue light it. special thing that they do. But um, I think that's how you get to really love John B. versus them telling you, you're going to love this guy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Cabram and Dylan Nichols, I think... When I heard that story, I'm like, yep, I could see that happening. Hanging out a lot in small town Ohio when I was yeah. in college and stuff like that. Yeah, that seems totally possible. And having watched Making Murderer and this and that. Yeah, I, it's like that David Cross bit about how, like, there's rednecks everywhere and they all have that accent. Yeah. Like, I'm from I'm from Ohio and I'll kick your fucking ass. Like, I'm from <laughs> Manitoba, Canada and I'll fuck you up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even like we're necessarily making fun of Alabama because that's, yeah. they're everywhere. Like a, a small town everywhere, yeah. somebody's gonna. I, I'm just gonna cut his neck, and then we're gonna stomp him. And and his gooch meat. 
Is that what he was saying? I couldn't figure out at first. Like it's episode two, though. But, oh, know, oh really spoiler for it. the gooch meat! <laughs> it's gooch meat. I, having listened to it twice, I really got really caught it. <laughs> That's amazing. I also think that you know we've learned a lot about uh, a lot of light has been shown in uh, serial and making murder and whatever on police are not these hero. I mean, mm-hmm. police are heroes, but it is not the you know this hundred percent clearing rate on every crime that is ever committed. Mm-hmm especially in small town, but I think they say in later episodes, there's like three full-time policemen or something crazy. And we're back. Guys, quick question for you, or maybe this is the big question. This is episode one's question. It's a two-parter. It's why doesn't John move? Why didn't? Why doesn't he just leave? Leave Mary Grace, go to Birmingham. It's not that far away, and hang out. Yeah, it's the big, the big question of John's life. I mean, I guess you just assume that. I mean, he is clearly pretty mentally ill, and yeah. maybe he's. I think the safest assumption is that he's scared to do it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't. It's all he's ever known. It's all his mother's ever known. Living in that one house. Mm-hmm. And like that's a that's a huge deal to people. Yeah, it's hard. Especially to, at forty nine, right? Yeah. yeah, that's hard. And he also, I don't know that we find this out until much later, but he did go to college, mm-hmm. but he drove home every night. Mm-hmm. Like he's never lived even a county over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that'd be hard for anybody, whether you're have mental illness or not. Yeah, I think he probably also likes. Obviously, he likes the land. He likes the mm-hmm. amount of land he has. He likes having his shop. He likes having dogs. space. All those dogs. 21 dogs. Wait. 14, 14. in the first episode. 20, no, 21 it's, it's down max. to 13. Yeah. It was the old one died. But yeah. one of them's named Pipsqueak, and that's very cute. Yeah. But he does um, use that as an excuse. He, he sort of counts the reasons yeah. that he can't do it. Who would take care of the maze? Who would take care of mom? Yeah. Who would take care of the dogs? Yeah. All solid reasons. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say. My mom, my parents... I uh, live two hours away from my grandparents, and I think they sort of feel bad that they even live two hours away from people that are getting older and need help. But if he's got all that money, like, could pay somebody to take care of the dogs. He could bring mom with him. It's true. Move to New York City. Can you imagine taking 14 dogs? No, I said he'd pay somebody to take <laughs> care of the dogs. Mm-hmm. Presumably, the, they're paid off the mortgage since they've been in the house 150 There's years. There's probably never been a mortgage. It was probably just like, somebody I bought this it. plot of land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a nickel. Yeah, or it was like a grant. Mm-hmm. Um, the other question I had was, why do you think Brian Reed, first of all, answered the email to begin with, and why did he get so involved in this story? Like, he was investigating that Cabram Bird thing for a year and a half. I can't imagine he was doing it straight for a year and a half. Yeah, he wasn't doing 40 hours a week of... <laughs> I mean, that's that's good. Like, I think that's that's kind of journalistic cat. That's reporting, baby. Or like, like, hey, we think there's an unsolved murder down here, like... That's that's if you're a hardcore reporter, you're like, all right. I'll, I can't imagine I'll check how many emails this American Life gets about. You should do a story on this. Mm-hmm. That's true. I can also imagine though that John B's emails are as just sort mm-hmm. of colorful as he is, and that they would stand out from the sea of other emails. Like he's, I'm sure, like extremely eloquent in emails and like 
I mean, he fixes clocks for a living and has a maze mm-hmm. and lives in this 900-person town. Like, there's just a lot of elements And that pees in the sink and doesn't change his shoes for he three years. He would go outside if the phone reached, Josh. Because right. <laughs> plants like acid. Why did he not take care of his athlete's foot for three years? It's two sides. It's two John. sides of the story. <laughs> John B. He would have had to probably go to, like, Walmart and get some... That's a little yeah, that's a whole thing. That's true. He's cheap. Cash. You can't just pay in gold at Walmart either. You got to get cash. Yeah, I just, I <laughs> can imagine that this guy's emails were like extremely eloquent and unusual and effervescent. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on the ones, the snippets that he reads from in later episodes, I think that that bears out. I think it's also Brian Reed fell in love with John B. McLemore as a person. And this is like a, a love letter to John B. McLemore in whatever form it takes. Yeah. He's a really, he's definitely a character. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of feels like you get to know him right away. Mm. I mean, you, you get to really know him more as the show goes on. But like even Brian Reed, like when he showed up at at uh, John's house, you know, all of a sudden he's thrown right in and gets the tour and they're drinking. He shows them the tattoos and they go to the maze and he gets the dime and mm-hmm. all this stuff. There's no, you know, pacing around each other before you really get to know each other. Yeah. Yep. I think that's probably appealing. And luckily, he recorded everything they ever talked about, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Radio producer life. Yeah, A-plus journalists. <laughs> All right, guys. We will be back next week to talk about episode two of S-Town. Thank you so much for listening to The Serial Serial. I'm Mara Eakin. I've been joined by Josh Modell and Laura Browning. This show was produced by Stephen Holliger for the Fusion Media Group. This show was also produced by our executive director of audio, Mandana Mofidi. Our theme song is by The Hood Internet, and this episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Got a question you want to send us? Hey, this is the first time we're ever doing this, so get ready. Got a question you want to send us? You can post a tweet using the hashtag Serial Serial. Uh, not Serial, like Life Serial. Serial, like the podcast Serial. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Panoply, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. See you guys all next week. We'll be right back.